Welcome to POP, the sermon podcast for Peace Lutheran Church in Gehenna, with Pastors Doug Warburton and Tony Katko. Reading today is from Revelation chapter 1, verses 9 to 20. I, John, am your brother and your partner in suffering and in God's kingdom and in the patient endurance to which Jesus calls us. I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. It was the Lord's day, and I was worshiping in the spirit. Suddenly I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. It said, write in a book everything you see and send it to the seven churches in the cities of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands, and standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, And a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. Write down what you have seen, both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen. This is the meaning of the mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and the seven gold lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. We're starting today a six-week series on the book of Revelation. Now, if you've ever heard of Revelation, you might be wondering, why in the world would you do that? Have you ever read that book? It's scary. It's weird. There's lakes of fire, there's all these many-headed beasts, and there's eyes and wings coming out of everywhere, and you're like, what in the world is going on here? Why would you do that? And I don't know about you, Q just left to do the children's choir so he doesn't get to see this. You'll have to tell him about it later. But when I picture someone preaching about Revelation, this is what I picture. Q got caught up in the spirit or something this week. I don't know. Beware the mark of the beast, turn or burn, beware the four horsemen, the end is near, right? That's what you think of Revelation kind of preachers. And literally for thousands of years, there have always been some people saying, the end of the world is coming soon and it's going to come by this date. And guess what? They've all been wrong so far. And I always find that funny because do you remember what Jesus said about the time? He said, Nobody will know the time. Not even the Son will know. Just the Father in heaven. There is no way for you to figure out when this is going to happen. And yet people still try to do it. So Revelation, it's not an effective tool to try and predict when the end of the world is going to come. It's got all this weird stuff in it. So why bother with it? Well, first of all, it's worth spending some time in Revelation because it's a part of our culture. It's a part of our cultural imagination. How many different books and movies have used ideas from this book? And within our church, there are people interested in it. As I was talking with all of our different Bible study groups, I found out that in the past year, 
three of our separate Bible studies have decided to do a study on the book of Revelation. Something is going on here. See, I think that a lot of us don't know what to do with this book, but we want to figure it out. And what I found is that when we dig into this last book of the Bible, yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff, but there is also this beautiful message of hope. Now, I read the beginning of John's vision, and the first thing he sees in the vision is Jesus. But it's not the kind of Jesus you'd want to, like, meet for coffee. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like this kind of Jesus. And it says his eyes are like flames, and he's got this glowing white hair. His face is shining like the sun, and then he's got a double-edged sword coming out of his mouth. This is not the kind of guy you want to go and give a hug to, is it? No. So John sees this terrifying view picture of Jesus, and of course, all of those things, they're all metaphors. They're showing us different aspects of the power of Christ. And John, of course, just like we would do, he falls down to the ground like he was dead. He's paralyzed with fear. But do you remember what Jesus does? He goes over and grabs him, puts his hand on his shoulder and says, do not be afraid. The same thing all the angels say whenever people meet an angel. Do not be afraid. Yes, there's a lot of power here. And when the power of God is revealed, it's awe-inspiring. But God does not want to fill us with fear. The end of the Bible is meant to give us hope. Now, here's the other thing I love about Revelation. It's really easy to miss. It is not really about the end. It's not really about the end. It's about how to live out your faith here. Now, yes, there are these visions of the end and the future, but it's meant, though all those images are meant to help us in our lives of faith here and now. So just like most of the New Testament, Revelation was a letter. It was written by a real person named John. It was written to other real people in real churches during his lifetime. And this letter is meant to help those Christians live out their faith just like it can help us live out our faith here and now, not just preparing for doomsday. That's not what it's about. So I started in verse 9 with our reading, but let's go back to the very beginning with verse 1. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. So this is where we get the, word, the name for the book, right? Revelation, it's right here. But it's a Greek word, it's another Greek word you might know, the word apocalypse. Now when you say apocalypse, that has a different meaning, doesn't it? Right, you think of the zombie apocalypse maybe, or the, the nuclear apocalypse, maybe even the COVID apocalypse. There are all these violent, destructive things on this epic proportion that, that are an end to the world as we know it. But that's not a part of that word by itself. The Greek word apocalypse, it just means lifting a veil. It means unveiling to reveal some truth that has been there all along. So let's keep reading. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant John, who faithfully reported everything he saw. This is his report of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says, for the time is near. 
This letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Now, it may seem like there's nothing going on here. It's just an introduction. But actually, we can learn a couple important things from these first few verses. Now, first, we find out where this vision originates and where it is meant to head. So the vision originates with God, God and Jesus. And then it says it goes to an angel. And then the angel gives this vision to John. And then John is meant to pass on this message to those seven churches in Asia. So if you take this message seriously, this first few verses, we get a very different understanding of the purpose of this book. At the beginning, John says, look, the whole point of this vision is for God to reveal, to make things more clear to these seven churches, not to confuse them, to make it more clear. And whenever you hear seven in the Bible, your spidey sense should kind of tingle a little bit, right? Because seven is a symbolic number, like the seven days of creation. It always stands in for what is whole and complete. So even though there are seven literal churches that John is writing to, this is also to represent the church as a whole. This is for the whole church. And God wants to make things clear for life right now for the church. So people often talk about Revelation like you have to decode this secret message. Some people have said for thousands of years, no one has figured it out, but finally we found this little secret to understand what God has been hiding all along. But don't you get it? Right here in the beginning, we see, look, this is not supposed to conceal something. It's supposed to reveal it, right? Not to hide it. It's supposed to make something more clear so God's people can understand something about the world. Now, there's this other common view of Revelation um, that I heard a lot, especially before seminary, that John had to write in secret code to hide the message from the Roman authorities, right, so that he could smuggle out this message since he was exiled on the island of Patmos, and that way the Romans wouldn't know what he was talking about. But actually, some recent scholarship has said that's probably not the case, because when you actually look at this, John tries very hard to explain the symbols to us. He tries to make the, the meaning more clear. At one point, he says this, the seven heads of the beast represent the seven hills. Now, this is not some insider code to Christians. This is something that any Roman who is intelligent would know because Rome is the city built on seven hills. And so he's saying right here, in case you don't get it, this beast represents the city built on seven hills. If he's trying to hide the fact that he's talking about Rome, he is not doing a good job of it. The point is not to hide it. The point is to make it more clear what Rome is really like. And then if we look at the symbols in our reading today, did you notice what Jesus does? He explains the meaning of them. Look at this. This is the meaning of the mystery of the seven star you saw in my right hand and the gold lampstands. The stars are the angels to the churches and the lampstands are the seven churches. Right, this is different than a secret code. These are all these symbols and metaphors to show us deeper meanings about things right in front of us. So let's think about those beasts for a second. And the beasts in Revelation there representing the powers of the world, the empires and the rulers. And there's a beast from the land, a beast from the sea. They work with this evil dragon that's supposed to be the devil. And what is this vision doing? It's painting a picture of what these powers really look like, the true nature of human power and empire. 
Because empires talk a good game. They speak about spreading prosperity and peace. But God is saying, look, this is what's really going on behind the scenes. This is what is at the heart of when people dominate one another, when people conquer, when people exploit one another for their own gain. This is what it really looks like. And then we contrast this beast image for how Jesus is most often portrayed in Revelation. It's a lamb, the lamb that was slain. So God conquers in Revelation, but you know what God conquers like? Not like a beast, like a lamb. What does that show? It shows self-sacrifice. It shows innocence. It shows purity, not violence. So let's go back to that image we saw of Jesus at the beginning, that kind of scary image of him. Notice he has that weird double-edged sword, and that a sword seems to go against what Jesus was all about. He was pretty strict about nonviolence. But the sword is coming out of his mouth because it's not supposed to be a literal sword. Right? God doesn't use a literal sword to conquer, only the sword of the mouth. And what does that mean? It means preaching, preaching the truth, preaching the gospel. And that's what Jesus' followers are called to too. If you want to have victory, if you want to conquer, we conquer by the sword of the mouth by speaking, by witnessing Jesus' message of grace and forgiveness and mercy. And then that sword is supposed to have two edges because it cuts both ways. The sword, it shows us what is wrong with the world around us, and it also shows us what is wrong within ourselves. So Revelation is full of all of these beautiful symbols when you start to unpack them. The more you look at them, the more they reveal the truth about the world around us. So in the next five weeks, we're gonna look at a bunch of these bigger symbols and we'll really get into them. But for now, I wanna leave us with what I have found to be the heart of the message of Revelation. If you remember nothing else about this book, I think verse eight would be enough, which says this. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come the Almighty One. See, we see this same line show up at the very end of the last chapter of Revelation. God is the Alpha and the Omega. God has been here all along. God is still here, and God will be here with us until the end. That's it. If you've ever studied the Reformation, you might remember that one of the things Martin Luther did was translate the New Testament into German. It was an important way to make the Bible more accessible to people besides just the clergy. What a lot of people don't know, though, is as he translated these books of the Bible, he would often write prefaces, these little introductions. So if you're reading it for the first time, here's kind of what this book is about. And when Martin Luther wrote his first preface to Revelation, he basically told people not to bother reading it. He said, it's not worth it. Don't do it. Here are some of the things that Luther said about Revelation. It is neither apostolic nor prophetic. He could, in no way, he could he detect that the Holy Spirit had produced it, and Christ is neither taught in it nor known in it. Those are pretty harsh words. So what's behind this strong dislike that Luther had for Reformation? Well, part of it is that there were during the time where he was teaching in Wittenberg, there were some radical preachers that came through. 
And they were inspired by Revelation, and they went around telling people that the world is ending soon, and we've got this secret code that deciphers it, and it really caused a lot of uproar, a lot of turmoil. And so Luther saw firsthand the trouble that this kind of book could cause, and for a while he thought, well, it's just not worth it. But eventually, Luther came to a different understanding. You probably do know this part of the story that Luther was excommunicated from the Roman Catholic Church, which is not what he wanted, right? He wanted to reform the church from within, but he ended up being at the center of this huge split, this division in the church. And even though as we look back on it, it was a time of progress, it was a time of a lot of needed changes happening, it was also a time where the future of the church was really uncertain. It must have felt to people like Luther that the whole world was falling apart around them. See, during that time, Luther started to grow in his appreciation for this last book of the Bible. Actually, what we found is that the message of Revelation, it is best heard, it is best understood during difficult times, when you are suffering, when you're oppressed, when the future is uncertain. And so Luther also wrote this about the message of Revelation. If the word of the gospel remains pure among us, and we love and cherish it, we shall not doubt that Christ is with us, even when things are at their worst, through and beyond all plagues, beasts, and evil angels, Christ is nonetheless with his saints and wins the final victory. Like if you hold on to the gospel, and if we remember Jesus is always with us, then we can get through anything. Even when the worst things happen, even if these nightmares about plagues and beasts and evil angels come true, even if there's all this bitter political division around us, even if there's senseless violence and disasters happening all around the world, even then, Christ is with us and he wins the final victory. Amen.